so all of this uh, kind of, because what we're talking about is, is really difficult because it's so subjective, right? Like how, how could anyone determine in, in many ways, like who's a good Christian or who's a, uh, a mature Christian? Like what, there's the categories for that are, are really vague and can pretty much, I don't think you would find a Christian be like, yeah, I'm a really terrible person. Um, but it, it really made me think of this week of the movie Saved. Has anybody seen this movie? 2004, no one's seen Saved. Okay, so a few people have seen Saved. It was one of my favorite m movies in high school, uh, which dates me. Uh, but there's a clip that I love, and uh, since not very many people have, sa have seen Saved, I'll set it up. So Mandy Moore's uh, character is kind of a Bible-thumping Christian at a religious school, and she's on a crusade along with her posse uh, t that are known as the, uh, what are they called? They're called like the Christian Jewels or something like that. Uh, so they're on a crusade to, like, convert uh, the students in the school that aren't saved. So uh, let's set up this clip. All right. Hey, ladies. Oh. Sorry. Uh, you got to say? Yeah. Listen, I'm concerned about Mary. Something's going on. Yeah, me too. Well, she's part of your posse, and I think that you could help her. I'm going to need you to be a warrior out there on the front lines for Jesus. You mean, like, shoot her? <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was uh, thinking of something a little less gangster. I need someone who's spiritually armed to help guide her back to her faith. The love and care that only Jesus can supply. You down with that? Yeah, I'm down with that. She's pretty vulnerable right now, so I'm going to need you to be extra gentle. I'm going, I'm going. into the flames of hell. Yeah. You've become a magnet for sin. We've all witnessed it. Sure. Yes. Veronica acting all pure. What about last spring break at the Promise Makers rally, huh? Oh my God, you are making accusations. As we're trying to save your soul. Mary, turn away from Satan. Jesus, he loves you. You don't know first thing about love. I am filled with Christ's love. God, you are just jealous of my success in the Lord. This is not a weapon, you idiot. Great movie. You should watch the rest of it. It's so good. So what it means to be a good Christian, or a good person for that matter, is obviously really subjective, and I think all of our answers are like on the, on the right path. And I think it's interesting in the context, we've been going through Ephesians for the past few weeks, and um, he, the author of this really sets up uh, you know, grace as the foundation for uh, this passage today. Uh, and you know, we see people in, particularly you know, American Christianity, that have uh, large audiences, or uh, you know, like Christian talk shows, or they're doing marriage classes, or whatever it is, or religious tax forces for that matter, that are you know, seen as leaders on behalf of um, Christian maturity, uh, but how do we really evaluate it? I'm just really curious to drill down to how, how we really evaluate it, and I think there's some 
clues in, in today's text that we, we might be able to find something helpful in. Um, there's a passage in Micah that it made me think of. It, God, it says, God told us what is right. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern. And humbly obey your God. It's a common text. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. So if we're talking about uh, church size or, uh, you know, a Christian author's book sales or church marketing strategies, which I hear lots about, people are always asking, what's your church marketing strategy? I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, I, I just kind of wonder sometimes if we're sort of lost on this journey toward actual maturity. You know, the, the maturity and unity that Paul is writing about here that Jesus embodied, many of us you know, mentioned Jesus embodied this and uh, actually died for. Um, and I think it's important to, to look at verses that really stood out to me. Uh, during the week, I'll, I'll often do uh, Lectio Divina, which we've talked about here sometimes, where you just read a passage kind of over and over and see what pops out. And um, verses 9 and 10, I think, are important to understand uh, what Paul is talking about in regards to Christian maturity. It says, uh, what does the phrase, he climbed up, mean if it doesn't mean that he had first gone down into the lower regions of the earth? The one who went down is the same one who climbed up above all the heavens so that he might fill everything. Kind of a weird verse, but it kind of, it kind of stuck out to me. Uh, and I was struck by verse 9 that what does it mean that he climbed up if it doesn't mean that he had to first go down to the lower regions of the earth? And I thought, this is kind of to me, uh, what good is religious talk, spiritual success, money, reading your Bible, all these things, uh, if you're not willing to go down, get dirty in the lower regions of the earth? This idea of lower regions. What good is all of our successes if we're not really willing to go down where Jesus lived his life? Uh, Amanda and Barbara, who aren't here this morning, uh, their friend, uh, she mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, one of her friends who's a lawyer went down to South Texas uh, to work, you know, pro bono on behalf of children separated from their families. What does it mean for us to go down to the lower regions of the earth? I think it's imperative for us to remember that maturity and unity doesn't mean uniform uniformity. Like, we're not talking about, uh, you see in Christian circles sometimes this call for unity, but it's, it's kind of a false call for unity. It doesn't, it's uh, kind of a glossing over uh, the important and difficult issues that we have to talk about. So unity in this sense, it doesn't mean uniformity. Uh, we are called to truth in our diversity to bring justice and wholeness, um, which will not always be accepted by all. Surprise, Jesus didn't have too much acceptance in his life. Uh, our being brought into this love and movement of Christ will, I think, be viewed as a challenge by many, particularly those uh, that are protecting power and wealth. Uh, in Jesus, God became a poor man, lived as a poor man, died as a poor man. He brought good news to the poor. Jesus went into the forgotten, neglected, uh, lower regions of his time. Despised people. Jesus becoming human, uh, demonstrating with teaching, healing, and politically engaging uh, in such a way that brought people together in unity with God themselves and each other in the kingdom. Um, Luke 6, 20 and 21 says, um, He looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The life of Christ is inherently countercultural, and it's a movement down into the places in which people usually do not want to go, uh, because it, precisely because it does not bring the kinds of promises that we usually seek in life. Security, recognition, power, money. Christian maturity in this way is not measurable success. It doesn't look like success, um, how it often does in our lives, but rather is faithfulness to this good news for the poor, the people who don't have and don't feel like there's any hope, like there's any joy, like there's any justice. Even when we don't experience this truth, because often multiple times in the week, I'm like, you know, where is hope? Where is joy? We see this, uh, Jesus calls others to this counterintuitive maturity in the Gospel of Mark. And in my opinion, this might be the most devastating and convicting story in the Gospels. Uh, so in Mark 10, it says, Jesus started on his way, and a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't give false testimony. You shouldn't defraud. Honor your mother and father. And the man declared, Teacher, I've kept all of these since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And says, One thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this time, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Does a Jesus that goes to the lowest regions and then invites those around him challenge our understanding of what Christian maturity is today in our lives? What would you consider to be the low regions in your world, your community? in your life. As followers of Christ, we're all invited in love to continue to follow Jesus into these low regions in order to bring unity from our differing perspectives, cultures, gifts, beliefs. I think reaching maturity can't be um, in a story, all right, everyone go out there and just try to be a better person, just try to be good. Uh, you can pick up the power of habit or any number of self-help books um, that can teach you how to do that a lot better. Christian maturity, therefore, can't be measured by success, your virtues, degrees, certificates, your bank account. It's simply a matter of being on a journey with each other, with Christ, in humility, gentleness, patience, love, into those dirty areas that we don't want to go. Into our world, the grime that Jesus calls us into that continually emerges within us and within our world. It's not a self-generated truth, but it comes from the love that we experience in Christ and in the low places and in our bad moments. It reads us, it challenges us, it calls us to drop our idols, our possessions, 
and follow Christ into the lowest regions. We all know our world needs more humility, gentleness, patience, love, for the purposes of justice and equality. So what is Christian maturity? Paul calls us into a ever-deepening understanding of who we are in Christ. Forgiven, loved, and called into these places that have yet to realize the justice of the kingdom that Jesus talked about. So perhaps Christian maturity is simple faithfulness. Faithfulness in living with hope and love even when we personally don't feel it. Continually going to the darkest places and that being where we actually find Christ. When no one is watching and when we often will never get credit. Maybe that's Christian maturity. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that uh, you call us to love and grace in the midst of um, dark times, uh, times when we don't feel like there's any joy or there's any hope. When we look around uh, those in our community and realize that um, so many of our friends and family are struggling to even find uh, basic housing or health care. You challenge what it means to be um, a Christian, whatever that, that word conjures up um, and has so much baggage. But that you call us to simply be faithful in love and humility. And that uh, we pray that you uh, would continue to renew that sense of hope within us to, to go to the places that um, we might not want to go. In Jesus' name, amen.